Hey there and welcome to Short Stuff. I'm Josh and there's Chuck and there's Jerry and this is Short Stuff. Let's go. All right. Emperor Joshua Norton, the uh, maybe first, but at least one of the early great eccentrics of San Francisco, California. Yeah, it's possible he was one of, it's possible he was the first, but it's actually kind of unlikely if you think about it. Yeah, but it is so funny to think about the fact that this was in the 1850s and and beyond, and mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco was still San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd heard of this guy. I didn't know much about him. I just knew he was an eccentric, beloved San Franciscan, but the, when you dig into this guy, it just gets better and better. Yeah, it's pretty great. So he was, uh, he was like you said, his name was Joshua Norton. He was born in England, um, and his parents traveled to South Africa to settle there in 1820 as part of a settlement scheme. Uh, and by settle, I mean <laughs> show up and interlope. Colonized? Yeah. There you go. Um, and they, I guess, I don't, I didn't understand why they left or he left, but at some point he made his way to San Francisco, um, I believe for the gold rush. So I guess he probably left himself. And he he made um, a, he made himself a pretty wealthy man pretty quick by 1852 within just three years um, of arriving. He was one of the wealthy, reputable citizens of San Francisco. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, he... Uh... <laughs> He was in real estate early on, um, but in late December, uh, or I guess just late 1852, mm-hmm. there was a famine in China, and they they placed a ban on rice exports to other countries. Pretty sensible. Yeah, so there was a shortage of rice as a result in the U.S. and in San Francisco, where they love their rice. Mm-hmm. It, it is the San Francisco treat and always has been. <laughs> right. They do a little something special to it, but yeah, it's basically <laughs> rice. So uh, Norton heard that there was a ship coming to California from Peru that had like 200,000 pounds of rice. He saw a business uh, investment opportunity and said, all right, I'm going to buy all this rice. I'm going to corner the rice market, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get even richer, which he did. Um, He bought this entire shipment. However, a bunch of more ships came from Peru in short order. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't know about those coming. No, and they had a bunch of rice, and then the prices went back to normal, and he was just – stuck with a bunch of rice and eventually, uh, in pretty short order, I think, um, had to file for bankruptcy. Yeah. So he went from super wealthy San Franciscan to bankrupt San Franciscan from one bad business decision, which is why you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, right? That's right. Or all of your rice on one ship from Peru. Right. So he uh, he kind of dropped out of, of San Francisco society. Everybody lost track of him. And after a year or two, he reemerged. And when he reemerged, uh, he was a little different, a little off compared to how he had been before. Uh, and one of the first things he did was distribute letters to the newspapers around San Francisco, declaring himself Emperor Norton the First of the United States. Right. And the story would kind of end there. It would have just been a crackpot who distributed leaflets and no one would know about it because it would have been totally lost to history if one of those San Francisco papers, the Bulletin, hadn't taken him up on this, uh, this offer and printed his letter, his, pro- his proclamation. And it kicked off a tradition around San Francisco of basically not just um, printing Emperor Norton's proclamations, but also 
just reporting on him and his doings and what he was up to at any given time. It was kind of, it became a, a San Francisco media tradition. Yeah, and uh, there was, I guess there was just something about San Francisco, even back then, where the residents roundly were, I guess, probably kind of entertained by this guy mm-hmm. uh, and accepted him and revered him and embraced him as one of their kind of wacky locals. Exactly. Maybe the wackiest local of all. Back then, probably so. He would go around town and he wore a, a military uniform and the, even the— uh, I love this. Even the army officers at the uh, based at the Presidio there gave him some like epaulets and things like that to put on his uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. He wore a hat with a peacock feather, mm-hmm. and he had a couple of dogs named Bummer and Lazarus that would you know. I mean, he sounds like this could be San Francisco 2019 as well. Sure, sure. That Bummer and Lazarus thing though that is contested. There is a plaque in San Francisco by the uh, what's the pyramid building. Trans-America? Trans-America. There's a plaque there commemorating Bummer and Lazarus, and it specifically says they were not Norton's dogs. Um, They they follow them around? They were their own, sometimes, possibly, but they were definitely their own equal celebrities to Emperor Norton. They were their own crew Mm -hmm. um, that may or may not have overlapped with Emperor Norton. But um, they they deserve their own short stuff, too, actually. Yeah, I'm curious about the name Bummer, uh, from back then, what that must have meant. I don't know. I don't know either. But the the newspapers would also report on what they did, too. Like, there was at least, <laughs> apparently, I've read in Atlas Obscura, there was a, at least one article that wrote on how they had stolen a bone from another dog. Like, that's what you could pick up the San Francisco papers and read about. But Such a it great was, city. It was part of, yeah, it was part of the city's pride in, like, every every aspect of it, you know? All right, well, let's take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk about some of his uh, proclamations in uh and how he went about town right after this. All righty. So... Uh, Emperor Norton, uh, and by the way, in 19, I'm sorry, in 1861, he added the title Protector of Mexico to his mm-hmm. uh, name uh, after the French invaded Mexico. So, did, did you know the French invaded Mexico? Mm, I don't know. I did not. I don't think I did. But uh, it didn't, I mean, I don't know. There was so much invading going on back then. Nothing surprises <laughs> it's, me anymore. It's true. <laughs> Just two weeks ago, it was the Dutch. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's hanging around San Francisco. He's got his outfit. He's uh, over the course of his uh, reign, I guess you could say. He had some uh, wacky declarations and some that ended up kind of making sense. Um, he abolished Congress or called for the abolishing of Congress. Mm-hmm. He dissolved the United States of America as a whole. Which makes it tricky to be the emperor of the United States. Eh, I, you know. <laughs> I didn't quite see how he how he rectified those two. I don't think he did. Okay. Um, he dissolves and abolished the two political parties. Pretty sensible. Uh, but then one thing he did was kind of interesting. He ordered a survey. He was he was committed to finding a way to connect Oakland and San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, whether by bridge or by tunnel. And he ordered a survey even the, in 1872 to try and figure this out, which ended up being pretty relevant later on. Yeah. 
he uh, he said there's going to be a great basketball team one day over in Oakland, and San Francisco <laughs> needs to have a way to lay claim on that team. Oh, that's true. Um, he, he also ordered a suspension bridge be built from Oakland to Goat Island to San Francisco, too. So he was very interested in connecting Oakland to San Francisco. Um, and that is kind of uh, was part of like the, the kind of civic um, attention, I guess, that he paid to the city. He was known for in- inspecting sidewalks and streets and making sure they were in proper repair. Yeah. Um, and the city loved this guy. He actually once proclaimed that if you called San Francisco Frisco, it was a high misdemeanor, <laughs> and you could be fined twenty five bucks, which th- these days is more than five hundred dollars. So he really meant it, right? Yeah, I love that. That was even forbidden back then because it's it's long been known that you don't say Frisco. Yeah, this might be the origin of it. Actually, that's pretty cool. Um, and and like I said, the city really did love him. They they he. Ate for free at all of the city's best restaurants. Um, if there was an opening of a show, uh, they would save a seat for him. Like, the city just loved him. So much so that he was once committed by a police officer, and, and the city just had this huge outcry against it. Yeah, I think, uh, well, they, they got out because, you know, like the, the police chief, I guess, was like, we, you can't lock up. Emperor Norton. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the whole thing, though, is he issued his own currency. Right. And it was accepted. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great? Oh, that's amazing, man. I want to be this guy. But what's neat, well, there's just a couple of steps you need to take there, Chuck. And I need to get you a, too can do that. <laughs> I need to get some epaulets and yeah, pretty much. make some money. Um, you're already beloved, so check check one. All right. Um, so this guy, Emperor Norton, is um, hanging around San Francisco. He's He's loved. He is issuing his own currency. He eats at all of the city's best restaurants. One of the things that struck struck me about this guy is he doesn't seem to have taken advantage of it because when he died— Except for eating for free and issuing his own money? Well, I'm saying he wasn't like, oh, you guys are going to take this money. Let's see what all all I can do with this. You know what I mean? Um, He just seems to have kind of done enough to, to live comfortably and gotten by. Um, but like when they when he died, he, he he dropped dead at the corner of California and what is now Grant Avenue, which is between Knob Hill and the Financial District, at age sixty one. Just dropped dead on the street, and um, when they went to go search his his room at the boarding house, I mean he had some a collection of walking sticks and canes that he would carry around with him, some sure. hats, and like a, a two dollar and fifty cent gold piece. Um, so he 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 didn't. He wasn't a hog, it sounds like. He he was very much committed to looking over San Francisco and making sure it was in good shape. Yeah, and they ended up taking care of him uh, post-mortem even. Um, mm-hmm. Originally, he was going to be buried in a pauper's grave. And the Pacific Club, which was a, a businessman's association back then, they may still be around for all I know, uh, maybe they're part of the problem in San Francisco. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they said, you know what, we're going to, he should be buried in a rosewood casket, and we're going to have a great funeral procession. And in 1880, January 10th, 30,000 of 230,000 residents attended this funeral procession. Yeah. That's amazing. It, even more attended his exhumation because he was buried at the Masonic Cemetery, and they moved the Masonic Cemetery probably to make way for, like, uh, Uber's offices or something <laughs> like that. And... um 
everybody was moved to Colma, California. Well, I, Colma, California, they had a new, they had a reburial, and something like I think sixty thousand people showed up for that one. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, they flew the flags at half mast. This is fifty years after this guy has died, yeah. and he he was still that revered, and still is today by by some people in San Francisco. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, San Francisco loves to embrace their their local uh, eccentrics. I love it. Yeah. So he, uh, like we said, they they have built the Bay Bridge now. Uh, there is a tunnel uh, with the public transportation. So th- those two things came true. Mm-hmm. That he was looking into, and then since then he's been immortalized in a lot of literature and plays uh, over the years, including uh, Mark Twain, even who lived in San Francisco at the time. He was clearly smitten with the guy as well. Yeah, he he shows up as uh, the king in Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, the, that character's named after him. There's no less than three operas and a musical written about him. He's uh, he's beloved. Also, there's a uh, episode of Bonanza. <laughs> yeah, this this is the weird cherry on top. I think it basically tells the story of the time he was committed yeah. um, and released. And he like the, the character's name is Emperor Norton. It just it just so happens that they coincided. You know, the Bonanza timeline and Emperor Norton's real life timeline coincide in this this episode of Bonanza, which I have to see. It's called. Um, well, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> well, I know that I got to see it too. I do know that Mark Twain was on the show, even not the real Mark Twain. Obviously, it was <laughs> probably Hal Holbrook, I guess. <laughs> I hope so. He, there's nobody who could do a Mark Twain like him, or Val Kilmer. There's nobody who can do a Mark Twain like Hal Holbrook. <laughs> I got nothing against Val Kilmer. Well, that's not true. Oh yeah, that old grudge that time he shoved you into the street. Yep. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that, Val. Uh, I got nothing else. Nothing else over here. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Short Stuff. Short Stuff Away. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.